Welcome to the Channel 17 Podcast, a weekly Atlanta Braves discussion show brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Twitter at ProdLeisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and joining me on the other line, as always, my father, Dim Floyd. Glad to be with you. Uh, so, the Braves have been good the past week-ish. Yeah, just kind of quietly. Nobody's paying much attention. They've they probably had their best about ten days or so, I would think. Um, Definitely they, uh, a ten days that didn't involve the Marlins. Well, right. This is uh, yeah, that's true. Um, this is this is Sunday morning in the middle of the Cardinals series. But I was just looking at it. The Braves have actually won seven of their last eleven. They've won you know a couple of series in a row, and they're going to. Um, maybe take two out of three from the Cardinals today. Um, nothing to get excited about, but it is just kind of interesting that um, they are they are just clearly playing better. And the difference, of course, is offense. Um, yes. They, they had, you know, historically bad offense in April and pretty much all through May, but they're, they're probably close to league average in terms of what they're doing offensively over the last month or six weeks. Well, in fact, have you seen their splits over the last month or so? Um, yeah, actually, several guys have really put together very solid well, months. In the last 28 days, according to Baseball Reference, because that's how they divide it. Right. As a team, the triple slash is 274, 337, 408. Well, overall, they're still at 244, 307, 360. I don't have month by month. Yeah, well, that tells you that how bad April and May was, doesn't it? As usual in these podcasts, we're not so much focused on how they're doing this year, but what it means for the next few years. And the real question, I guess, is, is any of the offensive production they're getting over the last few weeks, anything that we anybody that we can look forward to contributing after this year. Uh, well, Freddie Freeman, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, That's the big one. Say, What's wrong with Freddie Freeman this year? I was just looking at his, his numbers for the year. Right now, his slugging percentage is higher than any year he's ever had. If he finishes uh, the year with the slugging percentage he has right now, it will be his highest in his six-year career. His OPS is almost the highest he's ever had. Uh, he's been so inconsistent. He's had several stretches where he really looks bad, but he's also had some really hot stretches. Bottom line is, there's nothing wrong with Freddie Freeman. He is who he is. He's remarkably consistent. He's very good, and I'm I'm feeling pretty good about having him the next few years. Well, and certainly yeah, the Eric Ibar productive streak is yeah. not anything for the future, unless that means they can flip him. Well, <laughs> Eric Ibar had... You know, one of the very worst couple of months anybody's ever had. I think mean, he was a regular major leaguer in April and May. He, he, we, we knew even then he's certainly not that bad, uh, and he's he's been okay the last month. He's obviously not going to be on the team. I think next year his his contract is at the end of the year anyway. Uh, I think that we kept saying they were playing him so much in June and July, hoping he would play well enough they could put him at the trade deadline. I guess this is our first broadcast after the trade deadline. And yes. He's one of the many people that they did not trade, as it turns out. Uh, and 
and they continue to play him, and he's actually being kind of productive. But I guess they don't have much else in the way of options. But they can also still trade him. He's not part of the future, clearly. That's kind of the opposite of Brady Freeman. The actual trading deadline is September 1st. Also. You're right. They've already made one trade since the so-called trade deadline. And all we need to say is Hunter Cervenka was a lefty reliever they got out of nowhere and got him into two people who have a very slim chance of being major leaguers. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that Capoello has been doing over the last eight months, and be glad to see more of that, picking people up off the scrap heap that had no value whatsoever, and you can get them for nothing, and then trade them for maybe something. Um, two A-ball players um, could turn into something. If they don't, they have most much. Um, it's the kind of thing I think they'll need to do over the next year or two. At some point, they'll probably be where they're they're flipping a ball prospects for a left-handed reliever in a bullpen, but I think we're still a few years away from that. At least a couple. And also, it's a left-handed reliever that you got from independent ball. Right, yeah, they, they got him. I should, it sounds pejorative to say scrappy, but literally the guy wasn't even in... Um, in regular professional baseball. He was in an independent league, so uh, nobody wanted him, even for their minor leagues. But if, if, they, if they can keep doing that, that, that's a way to get maybe some value. I wanted to go back to the offensive yes. um, improvement over the last month or so. Two other guys I wanted to... Freeman, obviously, is solid. They're counting on him for the future. Ibar is just kind of a fluke. He was really bad, and he's regressing to the mean, but no future with him. But two guys that I wanted your thought on whether they, how they do figure in the Braves' future. One is our Greek demigod, Adonis Garcia. The guy has really hit pretty well over the, not a bad bat line for the season, and over the last month he's gotten even better. Um, the other thing is his defense, you know, was atrocious by any measure in the eyeball test early, and by, I haven't looked at the stats much, but he sure looks like he's playing a much better third base. Um, I guess my question for you is, does this guy have a future with the Braves after this year? Okay, there are three very important things about Adonis Garcia. One, he will be 32 next season. True. Two, even though he's a better fielder, he's not at the level of good. Okay. He, He was horrible, and now he's, like, tolerable. There's a difference. And three... But that's a big difference, but yeah, I take your point. I mean, it's not like you get excited. And three, he's not that good a hitter, even in this form. Uh, You're absolutely right. I guess what he's clearly not the third baseman of the future if you're thinking about the Braves the team are going to field over the next three, four, five years that we hope is competing for the division, that sort of thing. I guess the question is, is he a stopgap until any third baseman they have coming along might be ready? Um, and he, I suspect he may have played well enough that he may be with him again next year. It may be in a platoon with Rio Ruiz if he's ready to play. If he's not ready for the big leagues, maybe Adonis Garcia and Jace Peterson can share third base. And Jace, by the way, is the other guy I wanted to ask you about because after a really terrible start being sent down to Gwinnett, He's been back in the big leagues for well over a month now, and he has been very good. Okay, he's been good. Maybe not very well, good, no. but he's been solid. He's been pretty good. He's yeah. 
the thing about Jace that's really important long-term to me is that he can play anywhere. Right. He's got value to the Braves, maybe not as a regular, but as a super platoon kind of guy, the way Martin Pardo was when they first had him. Um, and I guess we've made this comparison before, and he's, if he turned out to be as good a hitter as Martin Pardo, I'd be thrilled. He, he could, but he probably won't. Um, I mean, he's, but he is very, he's a different good hitter. But... He's a good athlete. Um, yeah. Um, but he, he's, he's shown that I think he probably has a future with the Braves after this year, too, over the last month. So that, that's, that's a pretty good bright spot. I mean, he's still a strange hitter, and he probably should never face a lefty. Yeah, like so many of the Braves players, he's a left-handed hitter. Um, and unfortunately, he's got a pretty severe platoon split. He is. He does not mm-hmm. show that he can hit left-handed pitchers at all at the major league level. Um, and I say unfortunately because, you know, so many of the people they're counting on are also left-handed hitters. Um, Freeman, obviously, but Enciarte and Malik Smith in the outfield. Um, Rio Ruiz, if he becomes their third baseman. Um, but it, it's a shame uh, that they're, they're kind of imbalanced that way. They tried to attempt. Marcakis, of course, but I'm kind of assuming he's not part of the future. We'll, we'll see. He is who he is. Um, they addressed that imbalance partly this past week. We talked about briefly last week with Matt Kemp. Um, so that helps somewhat. The bottom line is, I think Jace Peterson, I think he can be a, a valuable major league player and a, at least in a platoon fill-in role, playing lots of positions. So that's something they learned this year, I hope. And Ender Inciarte, who you kind of just skipped over, has been putting the ball. Oh, you know, he was the other guy everywhere. that I was going to say has really gotten hot in the last month. I'm glad you brought us back around to that main point. Um, he got off to a dreadful start. Again, it may be regression to the mean, um, but he has been very good offensively the last month. Defensively, he's everything he was advertised to be. I, when I've watched him, he looks like an excellent outfielder, but the defensive metrics show that too, right? With yeah, the, and offensively, he was really not doing anything much. But over the last month, um, he's, he's doing what he's supposed to do, getting on base at a good clip. Even had a home run last night. Don't expect a lot of that out of him. But um, I haven't seen his splits. Has he hit anything against left-handed pitchers? Uh, compared to Jace Peterson, a, yes. But you'd... Yeah, that's... You can so live with uh, him playing pretty much every day. Right. Um, but, yeah, he's probably better off as a platoon player because, although I think everybody is, because I think Casey more. Stingle and Earl Weaver were the best managers um, in baseball history, and they love to platoon, so why wouldn't you? Yeah. And then there's the Bobby Cox factor, yeah. which is if you have yeah, a corner Bray, outfielder. Brace fans. Uh, may not think of Bobby Cox as a great platoon manager, but we've talked about the early 90s Braves, and they had several positions where he played multiple guys regularly. Um, but I remember Bobby Cox with Toronto. He had several positions where he platooned um, to great effect. It, it, it can be a good way to go. Use your roster, maximize you know, every every play appearance, really, when you're thinking about the matchups. And if you view it this way, if you say have in more concrete terms next year, Jace Peterson and Adonis Garcia as a third base platoon. Right. And something happens at second base or left field, and now Jace needs to go there for two weeks. 
you're not all of a sudden putting in a guy you don't like starting. Yeah. Or a guy who hasn't That's played a great much. Talk about having those guys with that positional flexibility. I'm a pretty big fan of it. Um, I mean, it just it just helps your roster overall. It it minimizes the the danger of having a key player going out at a, at a position where you really don't have a backup. You got somebody who's pretty good filling a lot of places. Um, there haven't been that many players over the last generation or so that have been stars that regularly play multiple positions. I guess Ben Zobris comes to mind. I was going to say Zobris, then I realized he's it. Right. Uh, As usual, my mind, when I think about these things, goes back another generation or two before that. A lot of people don't remember that Pete Rose played in multiple positions over the years. He came up as a second baseman, he's an outfielder, he played third base, and he's as a first baseman. Um, He didn't do it in season, which is what I like. Yeah, you're right. That's a different example. Um... We're talking about somebody who, over the course of a season, might play three or four or more positions kind of regularly. That's really pretty rare, isn't it? Um, my old teammate from Little League, Tony Phillips, did some of that. Yeah, I was I was actually they, thinking that's where you were going to go. Not yeah. only because uh, Tony Phillips is the best example from previous generations, but also he was, again, your Little League teammate. Yeah. Real um, facts, I, I listeners. I don't know if I've ever mentioned, I know I've mentioned it to you about a thousand times, but our, mm-hmm. our national audience, that's my, my claim to fame baseball-wise, that I actually was a teammate of a future major leaguer. In fact, he, he took my position away. I was the shortstop until Tony Phillips got drafted, and, it, and I had to move. Can but I say that having night. seen you run as an adult, I'm amazed you were the shortstop? <laughs> we're talking about, you know, as a nine, ten-year-old kid. Yeah, I'm still saying I don't think you were ever the fastest guy, and uh, no, but I was. Um, yeah, I, I really wasn't very good. I guess. The yeah. Uh, was. I'm thinking it was a smart move to put you at third and handle the right. rounders that you can get to. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the thing about the Braves lineup and long term is that. Really, hopefully, there are only the three guys, Freeman, Peterson, and Enciarte, who are contributing in two years. Because everybody yeah. else is on the wrong side of the aging curve. I think that's right. Um, I mean, they've got Matt Kemp under contract for, what, three more years. But I think the thought is, if he's productive at all, um, they might find a, maybe an American League buyer for him as a DH or something. Maybe next year's trade that line or something. And, you know, if he turns his career around and he hits pretty well, I'd be glad to have him. But given his health history and his age, it's hard to imagine he's going to be very productive three, four years from now. Um, two years from now, maybe. Remember, Markakis is actually under contract for two more years, right? You yeah, know, there's no way Markakis is on the opening day roster. Next year, even? <clears throat> yeah, the, I mean, the rumors I were... I think I think the Kemp trade pretty much sealed the deal on, on Nick Markakis. I, I think it's there's just not room for him. If they're going to keep Enciarte and Alex Smith, there's no reason to have Nick Markakis. They're also offensively they are three very similar players in terms of not much slugging but getting on base. But enough. if you're a contender with a hole in a corner outfield, like a deep oh my god, how do we not have any options? corner outfield problem. Nick Markakis can be very attractive. Yeah. 
I mean, we are talking anyway, about honestly, the front office that managed to trade Hector Oliveira. Yeah, that's that they will find a buyer. And, and the main reason is, I think they're sort of committed to Kemp now for the next year. But mainly, I hope they keep NCRT and Smith. Let's see what they can do. Um, and if, if that's the case, then there's just not room for Dick. So they'll, they'll figure something out. As you say, he, the guy knows how to make a trade. He'll we'll do something. And now that we've uh, managed to actually talk enthusiastically about the offense for the first time all season, I think. We have to talk about the other big piece of news this week that yeah. happened between our records, which is Julio Tehran went on the 15-day DL with a problem he didn't seem to think was that big, according to reports. Well, the good news is it's not an arm injury. He's just got yeah. a strained muscle in his back, right? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a while to get over, but um, it's probably good that he's now taking a couple of weeks rest. Hopefully that'll that'll clear it up. Um, but given the fact that you know Williams Perez and John Gant um, were all, all already on the DL, uh, Matt Whistler got sent down to Gwinnett. Um, there was nobody left to be in this rotation. What's so interesting? They've actually been winning a few games over the last week um, with what an odd assortment of starting pitchers. Um, uh, you mean finding the artist formerly known as Fausto Carmona? Who, um, who got the win last night. Who actually got the win last night. And do you remember what his name is? Start, but he got a win, right? Can, can you at this um, moment on a Sunday morning remember his name? Um, Roberto Hernandez? Yes. I was hoping for uh, some other super generic name to come out of your mouth because I, I did the not point remember, is... Um, except that I was watching last night and I actually thought... Now, what's the story about... I remember, I think of him as Fausto Carmona when he was you know, a good pitcher a decade ago. Um, he was actually fourth in the Cy Young voting uh, with Cleveland back a few years ago. Um, at this point, he's a journeyman who I've, I've actually watched some of the game last night. He's six four, two hundred and seventy pounds. Um, he doesn't throw very hard, but um, you know he's not as big as Barto- Bartolo Colon, and he throws probably um, harder than Bartolo. No, he's um, he's bigger than Bartolo Colon. He's not as wide as Bartolo Colon. You're right. Yeah, he's taller anyway. Um, I, he's, he's not the answer, but it was kind of fun to see a guy like that. that and, you know, give a guy like that credit for sticking around um, and seeing if he can put it together. Um, the Braves, it just shows how desperate they are. What's kind of ironic is this rebuild has been all about pitching, and they have stockpiled so many young arms. And, you know, at this point of the major league season, they just don't have anybody to turn to. Um, I don't mean that as a criticism. The point is, they've got a whole bunch of pitchers that aren't quite ready for the major leagues yet, and I think I'll give them credit for not rushing. I mean, they, they could call up Sean Newcomb to pitch at the major league well, level. Well, but there was also... Show, but that, that would be dumb, right? Yeah, but there was also, like, Matt Whistler pitched too recently to have taken that turn. Right. Like, there was also just, they decided to make the DL move for Julio in a time that hamstrung him as well. That's true. I know, but it's, it's the combination of that and then having the other guys on the DL. They were going to call Aaron Blair back up, apparently, um, even though he hadn't been blacked out or anything. He had a couple of good starts at Gwinnett, his last starts. But um, 
then he went on the DL. Yeah. And not an arm-related injury, apparently, but um, so just just some tough luck. That's why you want to have lots of pitchers. And in a way, you almost think can like these guys improve next year in terms of Blair and Whistler and Fulty. But also, there is a raft of guys at AA that you're thinking, well, maybe they'll just turn into something really special. And it'll be solved if you have similar kind of injuries next year. Yeah, I think in a couple of years, they've got a lot of pitchers that will either know whether they make league pitchers or not or are ready to, to throw them in there. But several times this year, we talked about these guys at AA, Sean Nooker and Lucas Sim, to probably have the best stuff of anybody the upper levels in the minor leagues, but they just haven't been as consistent this year to make you feel like you want to rush them up. But they're probably either ready or they aren't uh, two years from now. In fact, I think we'll see them both next year at some point in Atlanta. Um, and they've certainly shown flashes that they can pretty brilliant. Well, and... I put it to, the, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're both. The, well, the other thing to keep in mind about the Braves minor league pitchers is that they haven't really sorted out who's who because there are so many and they are all pretty good. Yeah. And not just pretty good. Uh, if you go down to the lower levels in the minor leagues, the guys they drafted this year and last year have been lights out. Um, you know, last year's number one draft pick, Colby Allard, has he had a fabulous start this week where he struck out 11 in a little over six innings. Um, he had back issues early, but he's he's really putting it together at A-ball. Um, the other number one, the other guy at the top last year, Mike Soroka, quietly put together a really good year um, as an 18-year-old. Um, and then the guys that they drafted at the top this just this past month, man, they have really dominated um, at Gulf Coast League and now even moving up to the, the rookie league at Danville. Um, it's, I know it's early, you can't put too much stock into it, but the returns so far are just about as good as they could be for Ian Anderson, and you'll have to remind me the names of the other guys, but the ones that, you know, high school pitchers that you never know for sure, but they, at least at the outset, they're, they're stockpiling people that have an awful lot of upside. But they're 18 years old, and they're probably at best three or four years away from the major league. Right, right the... The best case scenario, oh my God, look at what we have, is that one of these guys comes up in two years. Right. And that, that that's highly unlikely. Steve Avery was a number one draft pick, I think number three overall, and he made his major league debut at age 20, um, had a pretty lousy year, half, half a year as a rookie, ERA over five, I think. Then the next year, he's dominant at age 21. That's, that's kind of the best case scenario. Um, well, but you know, but, but it's not like they have to wait for those guys. They got an awful yeah. lot of good pitchers that are just a year or two away. That some of them may turn out to be pretty good. So I'm still fairly bullish on the rebuild. Um, they're also probably still going to have the number one overall pick in next year's draft. Although if they keep playing the way they have in the last ten days, that even that's in jeopardy. Yeah, I really would rather the they go. Will. They're, they're, they're leaving only a precarious four games at the moment. Minnesota really sort of turned it on in 
few weeks, uh, other than losing to the Braves a couple of games. Um, but Cincinnati's on the Braves' heels. You know, they, they may very well um, catch. Do you want the Braves to have the number one overall pick? At this point, why not? Um, I mean, I'd like to... It, it, I never want my team to lose. So I guess I shouldn't... I mean, I'm really conflicted about that. I don't know. I don't follow these things closely enough to know whether there's that much difference between having the number one pick and the number two or three pick next year. So maybe maybe it shouldn't matter that much. Um, but the truth is, the Braves currently have a four-game lead in the race to the bottom. Um, I'm a little bit worried that um, Cincinnati's looking pretty awful. Um, Arizona's, you know, falling apart. Tampa Bay hasn't been. They, 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 who knows what they'll do? So a four-game lead with two months to play. Shoot, I remember when the Braves blew a ten-game lead with a month to play just a few years ago. Uh, in the other direction, I mean. Yeah. Um, so they may. I'd like to see the Braves some players play pretty well. I'd also love to see maybe some of the future come up in September and watch them play. And if they do, I hope they do well and I hope they win. So truth is. I, I think I'd rather see the Braves do well, and if they don't get the number one pick, I don't know that it matters that much. Other people that know more about this say there really is a real advantage in the number one pick. I mean, it's a matter of the slot and the money, and even apart from the identity of the individual or individuals you might pick. I don't know enough about that stuff. Um, truth is, I don't know the overall number one pick does that much better than the overall number three or number four pick most of the time. Um, so maybe Maybe it doesn't matter, but that's a very long-winded way of not answering a question very directly. I guess bottom line is I'd like to see a lot of these plays, players for the Braves that we think have a future come up and play well over the next couple of months. And that's the real thing. There aren't that many of those, actually. That's true. Um, I want Malix to come back and do well. Yes, it, to show. He'll probably be back healthy. around September 1st reports say now yeah and then the question is do we want to see Rio Ruiz get a call up in September yeah. do we want to see as we've talked several times uh, Ozzy and Dansby get a shot this year in September just to see get a taste of the major leagues um, if they think those guys have a real chance to be in the opening day lineup next April um, it's probably a good idea for them to get a little bit of the major leagues under their belt in September of this year but if they're pretty sure they, they don't, they're not going to be ready until end of the season next year, um, maybe you don't want to go ahead and do that in September. I don't know enough about that stuff either. I guess I'm just saying as a fan, I'm anxious to see them play in the major leagues. But that's why I don't make the decisions, and that's probably a good thing. I wonder, though, if these guys are all in a position to start next year at Gwinnett. All meaning? Um, Ozzy. Dansby, Rio Ruiz even, Dustin Peterson definitely should start there. Oh, absolutely. Dustin Peterson actually has had a better year than any of those other guys. Yes, I am am more aware of that than almost any other Braves fan. I am totally on the Dustin Peterson bandwagon. That's my guy. He's been great, and he's young for his level at AA. Um, Yeah, they probably want all those guys playing together at Gwinnett maybe to start next year. There's the marketing push that if you, if you if you start next year in the new stadium with a bunch of players like you know Kelly Johnson and Jeff Francoeur that you bring in for nostalgia's sake and we'll flip them at the deadline, I think that might cause 
continues to really break it at AA in the park where you always point out mm-hmm. it's just about the toughest place to hit the minor leagues. It's um, certainly the worst so, home run park. Right. And that, that's that's one knock on the guy. He's supposed to be a power-hitting outfielder and doesn't have a whole lot of home runs, but he's got lots of doubles. In fact, throws. he is leading the Southern League in doubles. There you go. Um, he's just he's just been very, very solid. Um, he's a pretty young guy. So he, he may... I think he's shown much more than we thought before this season that he, he might be that right-handed corner outfield bat they've been looking for. Yeah, he could easily, by July of next year, be the starting left fielder. Right. <coughs> On the other like hand... July next year, I hope we're looking at all of those guys we're talking about Yeah. Um, in the major league lineup. That, that would be pretty exciting. On the other hand, Peterson could also not be up for three years and it wouldn't be crazy. Right. But That's just where we are. A guy that good at double A at, what is he, 21? Or has yes. he turned 22 yet? But, yeah, I hate, I, hate, I hate to see these guys that never make it up to the big leagues till they're 24 or 25. I always feel kind of like they've wasted some, some developmental years, but I guess everybody's different. I mean, if, if he's not playing just because you want to let Matt Kemp play off the string and otherwise Dustin's ready, that would be very frustrating, right? That would be um, extremely frustrating. Yeah, Dustin Peterson doesn't turn 22 until September 10th. Okay, yeah, he is young for the level. No doubt. He's younger than Dansby Swanson, for example. Mm-hmm. He's not younger than Ozzy, but... No. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Ozzy is... Um, he's cooled off the last couple of weeks at AA. But if you look at his year as a whole, um, for a 19-year-old playing at AA and some at AAA, you got to be really excited. I mean, that's that's... Very few people ever do that well at that age. Um, I mean, I know he's he's a little guy and not going to have a whole lot of power, and, but I just think he's he swings the bat well enough that he's he's going to be good. I just I'm pretty excited about him. And he will not turn twenty until January seventh. Wow, he is young. <laughs> and yeah, he didn't hit well at Gwinnett. He's pulled off since he went back down to Mississippi. Dansby Swanson has done okay at Mississippi. Rio Ruiz at Gwinnett. Yeah, been he's, he's been a, a little bit of a disappointment, I guess, depending on how you look at it. Um, but that's only that, that's probably not realistic. He's he's had a pretty good year. Um, you know, he started out awfully hot there, and he's cooled off over the course of the summer. A lot of these guys, especially college players, I think it, it may take them a while to get used to the grind of a long major league. I mean, a long professional ball season. Um, and it's not unusual for people to sort of tail off this time of year. But that, I don't think there's any reason to believe that he's not going to be, you know, a, a, a really good major league player. Um, it, poor, poor Dansby Swanson is, you know, the Braves have used him in marketing, and I think the hopes have gotten up that, you know, overall number one draft pick, so he's, he's going to be like Chipper Jones or Derek Jeter or something, which isn't fair to him. Um, I think he, he could be a very solid major league player at a crucial position. Um, if he's that, you got to feel good about it, right? Yeah. And I think he's clearly a very capable shortstop. I think he's a talented hitter. And that combination is quite valuable. That's Absolutely. not a superstar, but it's quite valuable. Yeah. And I think that's his floor. 
So obviously he could become a superstar, but I think it's hard to see that guy not being a good major leaguer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, I think so. Um, so as I said before, I'm, I'm fairly bullish on this rebuild. It's take you know the, the public statements like ready to be competitive in 2017. That became clear a while back. That's that's too optimistic. Um, but but there, there's a, there are enough good things out there that. I think they might very well be competitive by 2018, 2019, for sure. Um, as, as, a, as, a, as a fan, though, when they've, you know, they won 14 division titles in a row, you expect them to be competing every single year. It's just hard to live through, and that's, that's the tough thing. they gotta, they got to do things that get the fan base kind of excited about now, and we're just about there. Mm. Um, so that's, that's the dilemma they have. At what point do they really start turning it over to the young guys? Uh, as opposed to giving them more time in the minor leagues and continuing to try to get by in the major leagues with these, you know, retreads and players that you just flip at the deadline. That that's dispiriting. That's that's the dilemma the front office has, and that's the problem I have as a fan. Right? Yeah, I I don't think that you need to get the fans excited when you're not winning because nothing will work. You know, what gets fans excited is right. winning. Um. That's it. Winning, winning, it doesn't even matter how you win. Yeah. Uh, not winning, people don't get excited. Winning gets people excited. That's that's the key to the whole thing, isn't it? And as much as Braves fans were excited about pitching, because that was ingrained to us over the entire Bobby Cox tenure, and yeah. right now there's so many great arms in the minors, you yeah. win by scoring more runs than the other team. However you manage to do that, whether it's by winning a lot of eight to six games or winning a lot of two to one games. And yeah, you you can't win, though, unless you are pretty good at scoring runs and pretty good at at least pretty good in both categories. Yes, you can be really great at one of the categories and pretty good at the other. But if you're really lousy, you just can't score runs at all. Doesn't matter how good your pitching is. If you score tons of runs and your pitching's terrible, you're not going to win. Remember, I was a Braves fan for the 25 years before 1991 when they would lead the league in home runs and runs scored and still finish below 500 regularly. So, But what I'm saying is the what will make fans interested is that they win. And you win you, by having right. a talent that's better than the other team and scoring yeah. more runs. And whether you win with young players or old players or homegrown players or players you trade for, I don't think that matters so much either. As a strategy, you know, building with, with a lot of people in your farm system is a great way to build a winning team, so that's why I'm with them. But you're, you're right, as far as the fans are concerned, um, winning's what matters. And building through the farm is more likely to have a long-term successful exactly. team. Exactly. That's the way you build a team that wins consistently from year to year. Yeah. And so that's that's the good news. Um, yep. But the, the real thing to me is that the Braves, you know what they can do. And that's actually good. It's frustrating because it might be that Dansby and Ozzy and Dustin Peterson and Rio Ruiz and Sean Newcomb and all these guys are just hanging out in AAA for the first few months of next season when we'd kind of like to see them in Atlanta. But if long-term those guys are better because they're at AAA for three months, 
I'm fine with it. Well, that you have to be. I mean, if you really care about the team long term, that's what you got to do. I mean, you don't want to throw away the benefit of the rebuild. Um, so I, I think you have to keep your eye on the, the, the long run here. And so far, they're sticking with the plan, I think. And um, we don't know whether it's going to work or not, but I think they're being pretty consistent with it by and large. Well, and the other really kind of fun thing about a rebuild is you don't really have much pressure on the games day to day. And in a way that makes the kind of craziness like Friday night or like last night, Saturday night, even better. Well, you know, I I, I don't think I can agree with you there. I I don't feel pressure. I mean, I, I enjoy watching games when they're on a pennant race Yes. And you feel kind of pressure, and you know, you're up and you're down. And now I don't, I don't care whether they win or lose very much. I mean, uh, but to me that's not as fun to watch. I mean, it's, it's sort of interesting, but it's just not that much fun. Um, even if you know they scored 13 runs last night, it's just not that big a deal. Um, so I'm looking forward to winning again. Yes, hopefully very soon, and I think it could be soon, actually. I think this um, time next it, year. It's not just around the corner like next month. It's not just around the corner by early next year. Um, but I think we're going to see, I think we'll see a good bit of progress next year. And as long as you're moving in the right direction, that's what matters, I think. I, I think it's pretty clear that next season we'll have a lot less guys that are 28, 29 and never done anything. Well, kind of hold I hope on. So. Well, I mean, they're going to have to play Dansby and Ozzy by the middle of next season. Yeah, oh, I think so. Uh, they will definitely see Malik will hopefully, knock on wood, be healthy all year. You know, all of these things will contribute to making it seem more like the team that could win. Yeah. Well, we're getting there. Um... I mean, I, I really am excited long-term about the Braves. Oh, me too. I, 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 they, they have the current so iteration much is for that could be good. It's going to be really interesting to see new players come in and see how they develop. Um, as long as people are patient with the growing pains, uh, not just waiting for them to get there, but then at the major league level, um, can't expect people to burst on the scene like Mike Trout. Um, that'd be nice, but I don't think we're going to have anybody like that. No, and you can't ever really expect it because that doesn't well, happen. Of course not. Uh, you know, what is kind of interesting about the current construction of the Braves roster is that, and it's the one thing I want to come back around to because I do want to kind of focus on what they are now, and I think they could win enough to not have the number one pick. Because for all of Matt Kemp's problems, and we kind of went over them last week, that guy's a real major league hitter. Oh, yeah. And a real major league um, power hitter. Um, more of a major league power hitter than anybody they had on the team. Um, Freddie Freeman possibly accepted, but maybe not even that. There's not anybody else who was even close. Um, so... I mean, it's, it's a lot better than having, you know... Nick Marcakis at cleanup. Yeah. Um, 
you will, though. Having Matt Kemp in the lineup is, I, I think that's that's a plus. I'm, I'm pleased with the trade. That's not the kind of thing that makes anybody excited. No, um, but I feel like uh, Jace Peterson hitting well, Ender hitting well, Matt Kemp being there, and a guy that you have to like pitch carefully around because he can crush one has made watching the Braves hit less painful. True. Well, last night's game, we're referring to the Saturday game in St. Louis where the Braves had not just four home runs, which they did, but two three-run homers and two two-run homers. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that sort of gives you an idea of what the Braves have been missing so much over the last couple of years. Um, you can live or die by the three-run homer, but um, you, when you hit them, you tend to win. That's, that's a good thing. Well, you can live by the three-run homer a lot more than you can live by the one-run homer, and a lot more yeah, than you can live by the, hey, there's a guy on second, and there's no way we're getting him in. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so, last night was a fluke. That's the fun thing about baseball. The night before, um, they, they had three hits and uh, were shut out. Um, last night, they had like 15 hits and scored 13 runs. Um, but that's what's fun about it. You never know. That's why Weaver always said in the same football we play every day. Yeah, I think that was the Braves' highest run output of the whole season. I don't doubt it. <laughs> but it was. Because they've been terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quick search, I'm pretty certain. But... You know, let's just hope that Ender keeps hitting and Freddie keeps hitting and Jace keeps hitting and we can flip Eric Ibar. Uh, if they could get rid of Eric Ibar for anybody, I'd still be happy. <laughs> but I, I don't expect it. I don't think he has any value. Even if, but, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't have thought so You're, you're a starting either. shortstop turning his ankle tomorrow away from it. Yeah. You're right. You may. Um... Also, the Braves are on the road for a long time. This That's entire true. week, the Braves are on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, going to Milwaukee, which usually means that the Braves don a throwback. And so you have two Milwaukee teams and look playing each other for no good reason. And then uh, face the Nationals over the weekend. And I don't know what to make of yeah. the Nationals. But... The Brewers aren't that good. The Nationals are kind of mediocre. The Nationals are good. <laughs> no. No. I mean, they're better than mediocre. I hate them. But they, what, they what I'm saying is season. there's something about that team that's messed up, and I can't quite figure it out. Oh, I agree. They've been messed up for a long time. This year they put it together a lot more. But I, Of I'm, late. I'm, I'm still not a big fan. Yeah. Well, I think hiring Dusty Baker is very symptomatic. But right, yeah, you know the great the great thing about baseball, the Cubs look to be as good a team as I've seen in a long time. Putting it all together, but they they barely win more than six games out of ten that they play. Braves, I mean, it, you just um, there's not that much difference in some ways between not being very good and all of a sudden being pretty good. So. That's the other thing. At least you try to tell yourself when you're a last-place team like this. And then just a few things going right um, might get you where you need to be. Yeah, like uh, 
signing a guy like Daniel Murphy, who's been a capable hitter, and then he turns into a lefty hitting Rogers Hornsby because things you know, like that, you know, are, are never predictable. I, I would have, I would have bet you any amount of money if you had come to me and said, "I think Daniel Murphy is going to slug <laughs> over 600 next year," um, and so far he is, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I also think Wilson Ramos is playing himself into an absurd contract that I don't want the Braves to. The one that the Braves cannot afford, which is probably okay. Yeah. I think this might be one of those fluky career years for him, too. Really? You don't think Wilson Ramos naturally slugs 540? <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, one thing Capoello has made pretty clear, and I think this starts at the top of the whole organization, and that is that um, the Braves are just not that interested in the free agent market, that they're not, that you, the return isn't worth it what you have to spend and I, I don't see them in this offseason spend a lot of money on free agents I think that they'll try to fill in with some but they're not going to go for the really high dollar ones yeah well the high dollar ones this offseason are not who you want yeah Wilson Ramos will be a 29 year old catcher coming off of a career year and probably will be the prize yeah new free agency not, not much class, is it? but wow um, no, my, my point on the Nationals is actually they've been really streaky. They're really weird. They've got some actual problems. Of course they do. They, they, they've, they've got a big lead in the division. They'll be in the playoffs, but um, they're, they're holes in that team, but they're holes in every team, um, even the Cubs. <laughs> I mean, they started out winning two out of every three. And, they, and you know what one of the Cubs' happen. holes is? Well, our old friend Jason Hayward's yeah. one of them, I'm afraid. <laughs> I love Jason, but he has struggled. I mean, I like the guy's character. I love the way he feels. I love his mm. base running. He's just got yeah. great baseball instincts. But as a major league hitter, he has not put it together. He I also thought that he deserved an absurd extension when there was no evidence of it and then basically trashed the Braves because of it. Yeah. His hometown team acted sensible towards him, and he, then he acted like an ass. Nope, I don't care. Uh, you don't know everything that was going on there. I'm not so sure that's true. I'm I do sure know he's not a good major league hitter. They offered Freeman. The truth is, uh, Freeman, I think, I, I didn't agree at the time, but they may have known better than I did. Freeman's probably a better long-term bet than Hayward. Um, certainly much more consistent offensively, that's the truth. Yeah. That's an understatement, isn't it? Yes. I just, I, I'm not, I'm off the Jason Hayward bandwagon in any form whatsoever. Well, I am too. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm conceding that um, he was, um, the Braves are probably better off not spending that kind of money on him, and the Cubs probably <laughs> overspent for him. On the other hand, he's still kind of young. If, if he could somehow figure something out offensively, but I've been watching him for seven years, and it's more of the same, so unfortunately, he may never become the major league hitter that so many people thought he was going to be. And and that's the other argument for depth and lots of players in your minor league system. That's true. Yep. Because part that, of the other the issue with playing. Hayward was he was the guy. That's true. That, that's that's part of this whole rebuild. That you know they had a handful of people that they were counting on coming along, uh, but didn't did not have the depth at all of 
for the last few years coming along in the major leagues and in the minor leagues. Depth is, is the key to the whole thing because you can't depend on any one or two players. Um, and, and, you know, Jace Peterson hitting well means if Ozzy or Dansby struggles, you can reevaluate. Right. Or for your release doesn't turn out. Now, I'm hoping all those guys do turn out to be good major leaguers. But you've also got to sort of think... if at least one of them is bust. That's the nature yeah. of it, right? Um, as the guy who watched um, people like Brad Comensk and uh, Nick Asaski come and go and fail. Um, right. Um, best laid plans. Over and over again. <laughs> More in your era... Not quite. Andy Marte was a was a can't miss third baseman. And then Wilson Bediment too. Wilson Bediment coming on. He ended up having a career uh, a, a decade after his prospect status, but right. you know, so Oh yeah. The but the real not, thing not about a volume. rebuild is volume and I think a willingness to make trades and see what's going on and plan out long term flexibility. And I think is doing it. Yeah, I think volume, quantity of potential major leaguers is huge in it for all the reasons we've been saying. At the same time, it's good to have a handful of people whose ceilings are very high. Yes. And and I think they've got that in some of these pitchers. Um, I don't know that any of their offensive players are the kinds who say, that, that guy's a superstar, you know. Ozzie. Potential Hall of Fame kind of. Uh, maybe. As a 19-year-old at Double A, he's hit well over 300. This guy has talent. Yeah. And production. But, you know, that means he may become Jose Altuve, not that he's going to become, you know, Joe Morgan. Um, Okay. Well, yes. (laughs) Weird weird standards, but okay. Yeah. (laughs) Greatest second baseman of all time. Yeah, that's making the ceiling too Did you just think small middle infielders? And those were the only two that came up because that's a weird spread. Um, but you'd also take Altuve. Oh, I, I, meant, I, I meant that as a kind. If he's Altuve, yeah. that's that's fabulous. I'm I'm very pleased with that. I mean, I don't think these guys will come up in September. But, but, but the point I was making about ceiling, I was really talking about pitchers. They do still have six or eight pitchers that could be. Um, top of the rotation dominant um, if not Clayton Kershaw Madison Bumgarner kind of pitchers that's I mean I got spoiled in the 90s but if you got your one or two of those uh, you got a chance every year I think that's, and they, they've got several people that, could, that do have that potential you can't count on any one of them but they got several so that's exciting and, and they've got to sort them all out so right. that's going to take a little while September call-ups, rearrange who's put on the 40-man, who's moving where. Uh, most likely, because they are on the 40-man, Whistler and Blair will start throughout September in the majors, I'd assume. Yeah. Giving more idea to what those guys' long-term future is. Yeah, that's probably right. But I've always thought September call-ups were mainly just to get some young guys comfortable and around the clubhouse so that, you know, they, they get some of those, you know, jitters out of the way um, before they're called up at a time when it means more. Um, 
that's that's why I'm maybe I'm just being selfish. I, I mean, want to see some of those guys and stuff. Wadi Herzog would use it to have good. three more pinch runners. Right. But yes, yeah, most if, guys if do. If you're trying to win games, if you're in a pennant race, it's a different kind of thought about what you want in September to fill out your roster to, to actually compete. That's not that's not who the Braves are this year. But my point is. You, what you're doing is you're putting your 40-man roster on the major league roster. Is September. Right. Your mm-hmm. your 25-man roster goes away for a month. True. And so... You might as well take advantage of that, right? But also, you've got you guys on the 40-man you're not outriding. Right. So Whistler and Blair are going to come up. <laughs> sure. See what they can do in a last start or two. But that's uh, still at least three weeks away. A little more, and uh, we'll kind of see what Matt Kemp can do over the next few weeks. We'll hope that Ender Enciarte keeps hitting, Freddie keeps crushing it, and as always, that someone wants to give us some sort of real prospect for Eric Ibar or Adonis Garcia or Jeff Rancor, or maybe even Alstor Carmona or whatever his name is now. Another good starter too might know. Never mind. No. Roberto Hernandez has no trade value, even on a team that's hoping to flip Jim Johnson. Uh, right. But if any of those trades happen, uh, we will talk about it next we'll be week. All over it. Uh, here on the Channel 17 podcast. Uh, and we do put this out on Sundays. And uh, in the interim, you can check out the rest of the Productive Leisure Network uh, on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for the Productive Leisure Network. And if you like what you're hearing here, do please subscribe, download, and leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also find all of our episodes on our website, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and you can follow us for updates on Twitter, at ProdLeisure. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.